great to be with you this morning um, as we get really stuck into this Advent season. And uh, I know my kids are jumping out of their skins for carols tonight. Uh, but this morning, we're going to have a quick look at uh, the principle that greatness requires sacrifice. One of the most popular genres of movies these days is that of superhero movies. Uh, my wife Amanda rolls her eyes, but I'm right with it. I, I love them. Um, and one of my favourite movies is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. I love the entire Dark Knight trilogy. But in this last movie, in The Dark Knight Rises, um, the bad guys, led by this lady, Talia Argul, and Bane, the guy with the mask and the cool voice, if you have seen the movie, um, they take the city of Gotham hostage. They blow up all the bridges around it so no one can get in to help. And once they've got the city hostage, they publicly uh, make it known that they've got a nuclear bomb that will detonate at some point. Long story short, Batman saves the day. Surprise, surprise. Um, he locates the bomb and its timer, but he doesn't have a way to defuse it. So what he ends up doing, instead of just escaping himself and getting himself to safety, he gets in his Batmobile that transforms and flies these days. Uh, he attaches the bomb to it and flies it out over the sea as far as it can go, uh, hopefully in the effort that when it explodes, it doesn't cause any damage to the people of the city. Now, while Batman doesn't die, he can't die, he's amazing and they want to keep making money and more films about him, but uh, when he takes this bomb across, he assumes that he will. He doesn't know it at this point. He assumes that he's going to die, but he's willing to do so to achieve something greater. Now, now that's just a Batman movie, but you can throw a blanket over any superhero movie and you'll find the same themes. But heroes in movies aren't the only place where we find people making sacrifices. Athletes sacrifice uh, time with friends and certain foods in a bid to discipline themselves and, and train themselves to reach greatness in their sport. Not long ago, we had Remembrance Day, where we remembered those who went to war and made immense sacrifices for a greater good. Parents sacrifice time, money, privacy on the toilet, uh, ability to shower and sleep every single day. No matter where we look, there's people sacrificing everywhere. And it's always in an attempt to achieve something greater. No one makes a sacrifice hoping to be worse off for it. It's always in an attempt, in some way, to achieve something greater. And now this morning, when it comes to our passage, we're about to encounter a couple of people who are pretty familiar to us, especially around this type of year, this time of year. But there are a couple of people that made some immense sacrifices. So let me pray, and then we'll have a look, and we'll see whether their sacrifice was actually paid off uh, and achieved the greatness that they intended to. Oh God, thank you so much for who you are and all you've done for us. Thank you that we can open your word freely today. Uh, and we just pray and trust that you, through your Holy Spirit, reveal the things to us that you would have us take and convict us where we need to apply your truth in our lives. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, like Holly said, open to Luke, sorry, I said chapter 2, chapter 1, 26 to 38. Now, starting today, we begin our journey into the Advent 
season and across the next few weeks and tonight, you're going to hear some passages and hear about some characters that you may well be very familiar with already. But I just pray and challenge you to not let their familiarity to rob you of the truth that God wants you to learn and take on board throughout this season. So let's begin and read Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Pretty crazy story when you think about it. And now, if you're anything like me, we can read sort of these bit more crazy stories in the Bible and think, oh, they were a bit more commonplace back then. They, they happened somewhat regularly back then. But here's the thing. No, no, they didn't. Uh, an angel telling a virgin that she's going to conceive a child <clears throat> was every bit as ridiculous back then as what it would have been today. <laughs> to be honest, still looking in our culture and our belief systems, it's probably going to be more far-fetched back then than what it would be today. It's outrageous. And now, at this time in history, uh, Jewish girls were often betrothed to their partners from as early as 12 years of age. And so while we don't know officially how old Mary is, commentators assume that she would have been between 12 and 16 from when she heard the news, carried Jesus and gave birth. So when the angel initially approaches with this message, it's literally radically dramatic, life-changing news to this girl. Mary's currently betrothed to a man that she loves in Joseph. And now rather than going through all the excitement that leads up to a marriage and all the planning and leading up to a wedding and going through all of that, she's suddenly got to sacrifice all of that to be given for preparing for motherhood and having a child, and not just any child, but the son of God. Now some people liken betrothed to being engaged, but in our staff meeting we were discussing it and Pastor Andrew was pointing out that betrothal is so much more than just an engagement. These days, sadly, engagements can be announced and called off pretty easily. Uh, But to be betrothed, however, was to be at the very 
sort of the very final step of that, as if you're almost married already, except you're not. To be betrothed means to be legally pledged to marry the other party. And we'll get to it in a minute, but it's why when Joseph is weighing up his options, that he considers divorcing her. They're not married. But betrothal is a very legal thing. It's not just something you can just pull off and take a ring back. Betrothal is a serious legal matter with severe consequences when it's broken. So you've got Mary, who I'm assuming is going to be scared sick of this. If she doesn't somehow convince Joseph that she has remained faithful to him, and yet is miraculously falling pregnant, then there's serious consequences with this. For a woman to cheat on her betrothed was punishable by death. Normally they would be dragged out into the public square, shamed, and then stoned for their behaviour. So Mary's got to be left with a real worry around all that's going on. If she carries the Son of God, from a human perspective, she will likely be divorced, publicly shamed, and executed. But ultimately... That's a sacrifice she is willing to make to achieve the greater by following the plan of God. As she says in verse 38, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord, so let it be to me according to your word. And this is only a snapshot this morning. We know through Mary's whole life that her sacrifices don't stop here. But instead, she makes sacrifices continually throughout her whole life. Now, that's just Mary. But what about from Joseph's perspective? I won't go into it in too much detail. You'll get that from Pastor Ian next week. But for Joseph, he's now betrothed to a pregnant woman who he knows he hasn't slept with. That's an issue. Because surely there's only one explanation. You only get pregnant one way. So Mary must have been off sleeping with another man. This is humiliating. And Joseph has every right to publicly shame Mary and have her executed. However, in Matthew chapter 1, we see that he decides to sacrifice his anger, he decides to sacrifice his rights for revenge, and instead chooses to separate from Mary in a way that protects her. But it turns out he never has to get to this point because God intervenes with a dream where he makes it clear to Joseph that Mary is telling the truth and that the child was miraculously conceived. So this leads Joseph to have to make some serious, immense sacrifices. Way more sacrifices than if he would have just divorced Mary like he intended to. Now that he chooses to stay with a pregnant woman in a culture where honour and shame play such a prestigious role, to follow God's will, Joseph is forced to make sacrifices. He's forced to sacrifice his entire reputation. Because no one else is going to buy the miracle baby idea, right? So they look at this scenario in one of two ways. Either Mary has slept with another man and therefore that's humiliating to Joseph, it's emasculating and Joseph is a fool and disrespected for staying with it. Or Joseph is the one sleeping with Mary outside of marriage, which is also completely shameful. Joseph sacrificed his reputation and his standing within his context. He sacrificed friendships, relationships with family. He was viewed as a disgrace. So, 
From that tiny snapshot that we've looked at this morning of Mary and Joseph, I've simply got four main points to show how it's relevant and how we need to apply this to our lives. The first point being that sacrifice is no optional extra. Greatness requires sacrifice. Greatness can't be achieved without sacrifices being made along the way. You can't just coast to becoming the perfect parent without sacrifice being part of the journey. You can't be a professional basketball player and make it to the NBA without sacrificing and working hard to get there. And as Christians, the Bible's extremely clear when it calls us to pick up our cross and follow Christ that it is impossible to truly follow God and be a disciple of Jesus without sacrifice continually being part of our journey and the process. Now that might be countercultural in where we're at, in our context where we enjoy being comfortable and we just want to be in this secure, safe bubble where we just get all the things that we want. But that's not how it works. Sacrifice is not an optional extra. It is required to achieve greatness. The second point is that the object of Mary and Joseph's sacrifice, to me at least, is what sets it apart. People study hard and work long hours and make sacrifices to become doctors, surgeons, whatever else. People sacrifice in attempts to become professional athletes or whatever it might be. But sometimes the sacrifices we make don't always pay off and lead to the desired outcomes that we had in mind. Not every footballer makes it to the AFL. Not every sacrifice you make as a parent turns out the way you would like it to. Sometimes the sacrifices we make are no certainty to lead to the outcomes that we're looking for. Because at the end of the day, while they're not wrong at all, these sorts of sacrifices are all about us. They're all about achieving something greater for me individually or for my family or for the people in my context. And that's not wrong. But if we look at when it came to the sacrifices Mary and Joseph made that we looked at today, it's not done with their benefit in mind. In fact, their sacrifices actually destroyed plenty of elements of their own lives. They were not sacrificing for their own glory or their own greatness. They sacrificed for God, for his glory and for his greatness and when we do that today as Christians, when we sacrifice for God, for his glory and not our own, for God's greatness, then it's never a hit and miss whether it's going to be worth it or not. It's a certainty that it will lead to the exact outcome that God has always intended it to. Third, Mary and Joseph made big sacrifices and experienced plenty of difficulty to do something truly great that God had called them to do. So even in this Advent season, that we can often get so distracted in all of the fun of Christmas and festivities of Christmas, as followers of Jesus, I just challenge you to stop and ask, hey, what sacrifices might God actually be calling you to make during this time for his glory, for his greatness? And when it comes to making sacrifices for God, 
at times we might feel like God's expecting too much. God's expecting huge things of me. That's too costly. But I bet you you're even here today. I met with one of our young adults uh, last week, Chevy. And it just struck me when Chevy was sharing some of the things that she was that it just fits straight in with this point. She shared her thoughts, and I loved her perspective that, hey, Paul, when it comes to us sacrificing for God or making sacrifices for God, it isn't really much of a sacrifice when we actually think about all that God has sacrificed for us. When we think about what God has done to give back to us, how can we view what we do as sacrifice? I totally agree, and it leads to our last point. That God has already, no matter what he calls us to sacrifice, God has already sacrificed more than we can ever imagine. Sometimes when we're feeling like God's asking too, uh, too much of us, we need to keep that in perspective. We've looked at the sacrifices that Mary and Joseph made, but what about the baby in this story? What about Jesus Christ, the Son of God? the king of the entire universe with a rightful place on a throne in a perfect heaven. He sacrificed that to come down to earth, a fallen world, to be born as a baby in this place. He sacrificed his standing to become a human being who cries, who had to have his nappy changed, who gets hurt, who experienced heartbreak, who was bullied, who was mocked, scorned, whose reputation was always being smeared, and who ultimately ends up being publicly shamed and executed undeservedly. We spoke about how Mary could have easily experienced a similar fate, but God ensured she didn't. Jesus Christ... The king of the universe, however, does. He sacrifices his rightful place in heaven to become a human being who was murdered and died. Now the band can come up. I'm done. But this is the greatest sacrifice ever made. And the crazy thing is, Jesus made this sacrifice to give us something greater than what we have. He did it for you. And for I, so that instead of our deserved fate of being separated from the holy God of the universe through our sin, that our sins are forgiven. And we can instead live forever in relationship with the just, holy and righteous God who loves us. So my last encouragement is just often at Christmas time, when we remember Jesus' birth and picture him as a baby in a manger. And it, it's my daughter, Phoebe's favourite little ornament at Christmas time. And that's great. But my prayer is that this Advent season, we won't just remember that Jesus came to earth, but that we remember why he came and the sacrifice that he made to come. Let me pray. Oh God, thank you so much who you are, for all you've graciously done for us, and we praise you that you did make the greatest sacrifice of all and you chose to come down to earth as a baby, as a fully human person and gave up your standing in heaven to sacrifice yourself 
for our greater so that for anyone who believes in you and anyone who repents of sin towards you, then our standing with God is no longer separation, but it's, it's fixed, it's mended. And instead of being separated from a God who loves us for all of eternity, we can live in relationship with the loving God for all of eternity. Lord, in this Advent season, may we celebrate Christmas and remember your birth and enjoy time with family and friends and carols and everything that comes with it. But may we not lose the point of not just that you came, but why you came and what you gave up to come. Amen.